Good evening, and welcome to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noel Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This will be a podcast in which we analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, including some that ran only one episode. For this month, we are doing the R.I. Pilots. With me, as always, is Noah Houlihan. I'm feeling quite omnipotent. (laughs) Sorry. I got a laugh out of this one. Uh, So, what we did for today's episode is a full TV movie, because this is a specific subset of pilots, of the pilot film. Yes, the pilot film. And this is for a show called Generation X. Break it down! This this actually aired, unlike a lot of the things we've watched this month. This aired in February 1996. Yeah. So, happy 23rd birthday film. Yeah, yeah, we did it. It's your anniversary, and we thought we'd we'd do this for you. So, uh, yeah, this was a uh, a TV movie that was released as part of Fox's Tuesday night lineup. Okay, they used to show a movie every Tuesday night. Oh, okay. Back when we were uh, we children. Yeah, I fr- there was a time where network showed movies. Yes. And they showed them as, like, events. Yeah, and it was like, because, like, I remember, like, coming home for the Sunday night movie on ABC. The Wonderful World of Disney? Yeah, things like that. Because, like, I remember that's how I saw Encino Man for the first time. Yeah. They were (laughs) not always the uh, A-team? Yeah, they were rarely the A-team. The Sunday night movies on other networks would be. Yeah. And then they'd re-air them. I feel like they aired Twister for, like, a lot. Yeah, because there used to be a time where, like, when a movie came out, uh, and then it would go to video, and also, like, HBO, and then, and, and paid channels. Right. Then it would go to cable. Yes. Then it would go to network. And it would take quite a long time to get that far down the chain. It would take literal years. Yeah. Because you and I actually have had this discussion a few times about how... The home video release schedule has become so compressed. Yeah, because it gets pirated. Yeah. But back then there was a lot more delayed gratification. Mm -hmm. Uh, This movie was obviously not aired in theaters. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Clearly. But uh, yeah, a subset of the pilot is the pilot movie. Uh, In certain contexts, like a Gargoyles, for instance, uh, they are five half-hour episodes edited together right, right. to make what would be about an hour-and-a-half film. Th- this is not that. No, this is the pilot movie, which is a like a two-hour premiere. Yeah. Nowadays, I think when they do this route, they call it a two-hour premiere instead of calling it a movie. Yeah, they, they avoid the word movie. Yeah, because they don't want it to be judged the way you would judge a film. Yeah, because, well, movies end... Yes. Like, a pilot should not end. It should set up what will be a long-running series. Absolutely. And here we have all the right elements for a long-running series. We got Marvel Studios, which is not what they are today. 
Uh, no. But we got Marvel. Stan Lee's an executive producer. You know, we're on Fox, so we could be a little bit more edgy than we could in other uh, other uh, networks. And we have, uh, you know, a sexy young cast. Yeah, sexy young cast of the most ninety looking kids we could find. I mean. If you've ever heard the phrase unintentional period piece, mm-hmm. Generation X is an unintentional period piece, right down to the name. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Generation X would be the generation that would be these kids. This is also peak WWE DX, yes. D-Generation X, which is why I did that joke in the beginning. Uh, so, like, this is a perfect slice of 1996 right here. I mean, their clothing Looks like if you go on a 90s pub crawl. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I could show up in Jubilee's costume yeah. in a 90s pub crawl and get compliments on how 90s my outfit is. But you would not get compliments on your Jubilee costume. No. No one would be like, oh, you're Jubilee. No, 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 no. Uh, first of all, in this film, Jubilee is white. Yes. Which I didn't realize was weird. Uh, yeah, Jubilee is canonically uh, Chinese-American. She's the daughter of Chinese immigrants. Did not know that. Um, and I love Jubilee. She was my favorite in the cartoon, and I did not know that. Yeah, she is always Chinese, except for this. Um, cool. And the director actually con- uh, was asked about it in an interview I found. Oh, really? And the director has clearly never picked up a comic book. <laughs> this is based off a book? Generation X was a series of comic books in the 90s. Right. And uh, what's very funny is the uh, characters. Some of them are original to this movie. Okay. Because they are based, they are uh, replacing characters that would have been really expensive. Okay. All right. So like uh, Buff and Refrax. Yeah. Arlie and Kurt uh, are... N- Kind of uh, canon foreigners. Okay. They are made up for this because they were cheaper. All right. That makes sense. So uh, let's get into our nice little summary that we do. Yes. So we open on a surgery scene. No, no, no. No, we don't? We open on the dictionary definition of mutation. (laughs) That's right. Which is like the most 90s thing on the planet. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they subvert it really nicely because they show, like, definition of mutation and they show the actual dictionary definition. Mm-hmm. And then they say the illegal genetic condition. Yeah. So they world build. They do some good world building. And then we open on the surgery. Yes. This is also a very cliche way to start a term paper. Wait, Webster's Dictionary just finds. So. <laughs> Since the dawn of time. Yeah, yeah. So we're starting out very cliche, but they do subvert it. Uh, and... Uh, then we get to our surgery scene, right? Yeah, it's... I didn't miss anything between the definition. Nope. Uh, it's a hack job surgery mm-hmm. with a whack job doctor. Yes. He is going to cut into this mutant's brain and try to get his X gene. And yeah. that's really all we know so far. And no anesthetic. They haven't bothered to knock the kid out. Yeah, and he's overly enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, and then in comes... Who I legitimately thought was Vanna White. Okay. I was like, Vanna White's in this? No, it's not actually Vanna White. But she looks like Vanna White 
the whole show. Uh, at this point, I don't know who she is, so I have her in my notes as White Storm. Yes. Because her powers look Storm-like, not yeah. like who she turned out yeah, to be. Because what she does is she... You haven't won, Russell. You're through at this institution. That's it? He's through? That's his punishment? And then she, like, breathes <laughs> and, like, wind blows and stuff like that. It looks like Storm. Oh, clearly Storm. This is Emma Frost. Yes. Now, there's a few theories you can go with what just happened. Emma Frost uh, can turn into Diamond, which we will not be seeing at any point no, during that, this. Um, actually, one of the characters who was replaced has a similar power. And is uh, not in it because she's expensive. Yes. Uh, but she's also a psychic. Yes. So there's the one theory that you can go with here is uh, since she can manipulate what people are seeing, she created an illusion that made it seem like a storm was brewing and to frighten everybody. Mm-hmm. The other theory that you can go with is whoever created this saw the word frost and was like, got it. Uh, <laughs> I know what her powers are. My third theory is that being psychic is not very telegenic. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had to make it look interesting somehow. Yeah. And it's the first scene. Um, so they save the young man who is about to get bad brain surgery. And then the MEA, which is the Mutant Enforcement Agency, which is like X-Men's version of ICE. Yes. Um, arrest the young man. And the only consequence the scientist has is that he's fired. Yes. And she's furious. Mm -hmm. Because mutants aren't seen as people. And then we have a sad circle wipe, like the end of a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Oh, I laughed so hard at the circle wipe. And let me tell you, like... Like, all it needed was somebody going, that's all, folks. Wipes, like, any type of transition besides cut, blackout and fade don't really are really hard to use in in cinema and television. Yeah, like like even Star Wars when they do the wipe, I'm kind of like really. They do the wipe now because the old ones did the wipe. Yeah. Like that's the only reason we see a wipe in 2018. Yeah, so seeing that circle wipe, I burst out laughing. It's very childish and not repeated in the movie. No. It's a weird one-off. Yeah, but that does get us to our graphic of Generation X. Yes, which is uh, dated. Yes, it, it's... Uh, X-Files was out by now, right? Yes. Yeah, so I feel, I feel like there's a bit of an element of, like, let's confuse people and use a letter that will draw in audiences. I mean, I don't think that's it because, I, I mean, it's based off the Generation X comics. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm saying that that's why it would be profitable to do something X-Men related, is they already have a successful X show. Yeah, I mean, I guess they could make it the X block. Mm-hmm. And, and like, the, this is just a marketing thing. Like, uh, remember when Ice Cube did uh, a movie called First Sunday that had nothing to do with the Friday movies? I do not. He, he did a movie called Nick, or First Sunday. Okay. And if you... Like, watched it with the sound off, and you just saw Ice Cube and 
shenanigans and then the title first Sunday, you'd be like, oh, this is probably a Friday sequel. Yeah. And it was not. Especially because the Friday sequels were next Friday and the Friday after Exactly. Next. So yeah, the idea sense. of the next one being first Sunday, it's like, oh, it's a different day of the week. Wackiness. Like the idea is like, oh, all right. So we have the X-Files. This is Generation X. You know, aliens, mutants. Okay, yeah. this is probably related somehow. Like it, I could see people getting tricked. So then we uh, we meet this young man who's preparing to go to Xavier's school. He has a little sister who doesn't want him to leave, so she grabs his arm as the car drives away, and he stretch Armstrongs. Yes. And this is important. Screams in agony. Yes. Uh, we will learn later that this is Skin, who is one of my favorite uh, obscure X-Men. Yes. But I would like to point out that he's not called Skin. For another hour and 15 minutes. Yeah, he's Angelo. <laughs> yeah. Um, they kind of go in that direction that is actually surprisingly current. Yeah. Of trying to rebuff the superhero names. Yeah. That's a very current thing to do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have who I refer to in my notes repeatedly as knockoff John Malkovich. And also <laughs> knockoff Riddler. Who yeah. is our villain? His name is Rus- Russell Tresh. Yes, who I googled. Yes, and is not a character, right? No. Yeah, oh. this is an, an original character for this show, Russell Tresh, and he explains his plot. Which, if you've ever seen the movie Batman Forever, mm. is Nigma's. Yeah, and plot. N- not only is it Nigma's plot. But he's doing Enigma impression the entire film. Now, for historical context, it's worth mentioning that um, Batman Forever was eight months prior. Right. So he is doing a Jim Carrey impersonation. Well, with filming, like, we don't know when this is filmed. We know this when this came out. It was filmed over 23 days. Oh, okay. Then, yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine Post was very long. Uh, um, I also want to mention the look. So many of the looks of the sets is normal-looking room that they filled with computers. Yes. It's a lab. Like, where this lab or office that he's in looks like the hallway that's next to a swimming pool. Like, that's the best way I can explain it. Like, that weird cloudy glass. Yeah, it was an abandoned uh, factory. I nailed it. <laughs> they had... Three shooting locations, and one of them was an abandoned factory. I could totally believe that this was shot in only three locations. It also has the uh, the pink and green like lighting. That's it what, reminds me of the Schumacher Batman. That, films. That's actually something I wanted to say earlier. Is it's shot like nineteen sixties Batman? Like so many of the shots are crooked. Yes, and it's like oh, because he's evil. Yes, <laughs> so it looks like can't be Batman. But it's it's X-Men, and our villain is not a mutant. <laughs> no, and his idea is that he wants to walk into dreams and uh, advertise mm-hmm. via dream. Like Inception, but dumb. Yes. To it, be it's... fair, dumb Inception is pretty much 2019. <laughs> so. I want to make a movie just called Dumb Inception. <laughs> like, parts of this seem shockingly relevant now. Yeah. Um, but it, it should also be mentioned that what he says is, Dreams are another dimension, Bobby. Can you grasp that? You know, like, uh, 
Freddy Krueger. <laughs> this machine allows me to step into anybody's dreams. You know how I use subconscious images in our uh, <laughs> advertising? Well, with this machine, I can get directly into anybody's dreams and make suggestions like buy Slick Lips lipstick or play Virtua Fighter video games. Only this will be a thousand times more effective because I'm going straight into their brains. And then he says Virtual Fighter. Yes. By Sega. Yes. Who paid for product placement. So later on, we meet Jubilee. Yes. Who is playing Virtual Fighter. Yes. And while he's she's playing Virtual Fighter, his this guy's Rachel Rachel uh, Russell Trash's face shows up and says, "Play more games." And she like can't not play. Yeah. It should be mentioned that this means canonically, this evil scientist works for Sega. <laughs> That's funny. He works for Sega. Because he's coded into the game. It's not even just he's in advertising. If he's coded into the game like that. And we also see in this arcade sequence, there's two other important things of everyone's wearing weird lipstick because that subliminal message is also working. Right, right. And drinking the soda. Mm Mm-hmm. And Jubilee is going to run away from home. Yes. I also want to throw out the X-Men arcade machine that is clearly in the background. They're like, look, Easter egg. Someone's wearing a Wolverine shirt, too. Oh, and this, that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, Jubilee's going to run away from home. And Jubilee plays so fast after the subliminal messaging, she sets off her firework powers. Yeah, fireworks go off in her fingers. Uh, and then she has to run away. From mutant ice. From mutant um, ice that's hanging out in this arcade. Yeah, they're there immediately. Like... They must have been hanging out in the arcade, which almost makes sense. They're playing X-Men for training. I have an actual reason it makes sense. Um, If we're going with the idea that mutant abilities manifest at puberty, Mm -hmm. they're going to go to places teens hang out. It does make sense. It seems like a likely place for an outburst. Yeah. Gatherings of teens mean emotions running high, means people can't control something. Mm-hmm. So this actually, because I, I thought about this because it bothered me when we watched it. Um, so yeah. then she gets hauled off to mutant jail mm-hmm. and she turns up on Cerebro as being apprehended. Yes. And then we come to uh, Xavier's school. N- now, is this... Before or after the scene between her mother and the cop? This is before. Okay. So, because I, I definitely want to go back to that. Yeah, this is before. We actually, uh, she turns up on uh, Cerebro and then Emma, we find out that White Storm is actually Emma Frost. It's actually Emma Frost. Which we find out because she's wearing white lingerie and her entire bedroom is white. Yeah, that's right. Like, she's. And she's being, like, very sexy and, you know, it's kind of Emma Frost-esque. Yeah. We're, we cut back to Jubilee, who is now in jail, and Jubilee's mom is visiting her. Yes. And Jubilee asks repeatedly for her father, mm-hmm. setting up that she has a preferred parent. Yes. And Jubilee's mother is very upset. Mm-hmm. And they, they seem to care about their daughter, though. Which yeah. doesn't make sense why their daughter wants to run away from home, and we don't really revisit it much. Yeah, I am I guess we're supposed to get that, because we have this scene with the cop later, mm-hmm. where uh, 
she's going to a camp because she's an unregistered mutant. Yes. And she's like, what? It just, she just discovered it. And she's like, no, this happened to puberty. I think we can draw from that, that she did know about the powers and she was running away to hide that. Makes sense. Which makes sense. But the thing that bothered me was this police officer saying, it happens at puberty. She was hiding it. I'm no doctor. But is it impossible for a woman to not hit puberty until 15? It's uh, it's highly unlikely. Women usually hit puberty. I know they usually hit it earlier than men. Also, if you look at the actress playing Jubilee, she's hit puberty. This is going to sound mean. The actress that play that plays Jubilee and the way that they have her look really bothered me. And I was like, why does this look familiar? Because she looks 30? No, she looks like Skull of Bulk and Skull. It was like the, 90s. the super black hair and the black eyebrows and like her being so thin. I was like, oh, it's Skull. She actually, in look, reminded me a little bit of Rachel Lee Cook and Josie and the Pussycats. Okay. Just like that look about her and that very 90s fashion. Um, so then Emma wakes up someone who is laying bare-chested on the couch by the fire. Yes. And they have a conversation where, uh, they discuss whether she's ever invaded his mind. And she says, like, if I invaded your mind, you'd never wake up. Mm -hmm. And he responds, neither would you. Yes. But he says it very Irish. Yes. So it's very, um, so we get the idea that these people know each other and have a relationship but it's a little adversarial, and we don't know who he is at all yet. Yeah, he is laying there, shirtless, and of course they're giving us that money shot and putting that camera right in his armpit. <laughs> we stare at this man's armpit for a while. It's like I don't, I don't like this at all. Does anyone? It's it's a very odd shot. There's a lot of weirdly shot things here. So Jubilee's mom has the argument with the bureaucrat. Um, where they're going to send her away as an unregistered mutant. Mm-hmm. And Jubilee's mom doesn't have another option, so she's very upset. Until she runs into Emma Frost. Yes. And who we now know is Sean uh, Sean Cassidy. Yes. Banshee. Banshee. Who has the crappiest Irish accent. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I mean, it is St. Patrick's Day bar crawl bad. Well, they don't introduce themselves as as Banshee and Emma They Frost. do to Jubilee's mother. Yes, to the police. They're Officer Hootie and the Blowfish. Which Emma, we get one of these cool shots of, we see what the cop sees, mm-hmm. which is Emma and Sean as MEA officers, officers mm-hmm. holding up a badge and them giving an absurd name. It reminds me of Psych. Yes, it's very Psych-esque. Jubilee is predictably confused, mm-hmm. but goes with them. Yes. And in the car is also Angelo. Yes. So they are being taken to the Xavier compound. Yes. Now, call me crazy, but if we're going to the Xavier School for Mutants, mm-hmm. I would think... We'd see Professor Xavier at some point in this goddamn movie. Xavier is not a huge part of Generation X. Okay. And I already think they don't 
have enough time to deal with the characters they have. I mean, a sentence of like, this was founded by Professor Xavier, who is no longer here. There are also only six students in this entire school. We'll get to that. Students! Oh my god. Uh, Banshee says darling a lot, to the point where it's the only thing he can say in an Irish accent. Mm -hmm. Also, I... I feel as if he felt very exposed early in the film by having his armpit exposed and spends the rest of this film with his arms crossed and his hands covering his armpits. He does have very closed arms. 95% of the time that is how he is standing. (laughs) So we have another weird thing of they're doing the full body scan when they're... And it's this very... It's the first of several very uncomfortably sexually charged scenes with a character who's canonically 15. Yeah, let me let me do a quick breakdown. Uh, they they give her they swab her mouth first or something. Which makes sense. That's a DNA thing. Yeah. And then we say, "All right, now we have to do the body scan. Get behind the screen." And she goes behind a screen and Banshee's still in the room. And Angela's still in the not room. just in the room, but like looking and kind of giggling. Yeah. And uh, Jubilee gets behind the screen. She takes off her shirt and her bra. We see her bare back. Mm-hmm. She's supposed to be fifteen. And then Emma walks up to her and swabs her collarbone. Yeah, it was very weird. And then that scene ends. Like, no, no. It ends with Angelo giggling and leering at her, and Emma Frost telling a 15-year-old boy, stop smiling, you're next. Ew! This whole scene, like, I yelled, ew, when this happened. Yeah. Oh, we did forget to mention that it was only five minutes before you paused the movie and started asking me questions. Yeah, at five minutes in, I was too confused to continue, and I was like, I'm gonna need some, I need an assist. What's happening? So... Then at this point, I look up whether Banshee is Irish, like whether the man who plays Banshee is Irish. Oh, and were you surprised to find out he was not? I was unsurprised to find out he was Canadian. (laughs) But I was very surprised to find out he was the voice of Banshee in the 90s X-Men cartoon. Oh, no! So he sucked in that, too, apparently. (laughs) And then we get our our first shot of... The rest of the mutant students. There are four. Yes. Uh, Noah's prediction. Yeah, I immediately pause it and I say, okay, let's guess who these mutants are. And I thought we had Storm, Kitty Pride, uh, Cyclops, and Havoc. And I was 0 for 4. They are Refrax, Mondo, um, Monet, and Arlie. Oh, excuse me, Buff. Buff. Uh, Buff and Refrax, it's worth mentioning, are almost never referred to by those names. Yes. Let's let's do a quick run-through of powers here. Not just not to remind me, because I saw the movie and, and will, of course, know what their powers are. Uh, Buff is strong. Yeah, Buff <laughs> is incredibly strong. She is pound for pound the strongest of the mutants. Yes. Um, she is a very pretty, feminine-looking blonde girl. Yes. Who is extremely self-conscious about her body. Yeah, because her body is very muscular, so she's always wearing, like, very big clothing. Yes. I thought this was great. I thought this was like, wow, established 
everything you need to know about that character in a few moments. Yes. Well done. Uh, Kurt has essentially, like, he can burn through glass and see through objects yeah. when convenient. Yeah, he, like, he, his power boils down to, I can do stuff with my eyes. Yes. We're not sure what, and he's not even the best at it yet. Have it, or, excuse me, Mondo. Mondo. Uh, Mondo can take on the physical properties of anything he touches. Mm-hmm. So he, if he picks up a rock... Yes. He becomes, he takes on the physical properties of being, like, hard and strong. Yes. And then Monet is super intelligent, super strong, uh, nearly invincible. Yeah, she's just the best. She, yeah, she's the but, best and she's a Mary Sue. Yeah, well, we don't see much of her. For as amazing as she is, she does very little. She is by far the most underutilized character. Mm-hmm. And Monet is an X-Men. Yes, Monet and uh, Monet and Mondo yes. are canonically part of Generation X. Now, Mondo, you would think, man, that's going to be super cool. Because, like, we're going to see him touch, like, steel and then watch him turn into steel. <laughs> that's expensive. No. What we literally see is he looks at a rock and then, like... A noise place. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm a rock now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, right. If you want to see what this should look like, think about Darwin in yes, first class. Yes, that's immediately who I thought of. Who can immediately take on adaptation properties. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mondo feels like a poor man's Darwin. Yes. In that Mondo is Darwin with no money. But like, this is a pilot. Yes. So, the idea is we're going to have future adventures with this guy. Yes. So, there's going to be some point where it's like, we're locked in this prison. Mondo, can you let us out? It's like, no, the walls are made of pillows. Like, that's going to be a thing that has to happen. Yeah. Because he's like, there's nothing hard for me to touch. Oh! (laughs) Yeah, they actually do make a joke about what happens if he touches Jell-O. Yeah, if he eats Jell-O, and he hates Jell-O. And the actor's first job was on a Pudding Pops commercial. Oh, no yeah. wonder he hates Jello. Yeah, that's your fun fact. Mm. So mm. I was Mo- going to do an impression of, no, of someone that, that pushes Jello, but I'm going to skip gonna it now. Um, so Monet is really egotistical. She tells Jubilee that Arlie's body is terrible, which mm. is rude. Yeah, um, real mean. So we set up Monet as like an antagonist. No, almost immediately, and then that does not pay off. Yeah, the, she's a teen girl antagonist. There's like weird conflict in the beginning because like <laughs> it starts with them like meeting like, oh, what do you do? Oh, what you do is dumb. Ah, oh, let's play football. Blah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it happened so fast that I was like, I don't care about any of this. They're also like a little weirdly racist toward Angelo. Yes. Um, and at one point, Mondo gives Angelo an extreme purple nurple. Yes, because his skin stretches. So he actually see the skin come away from the body and then twist. And, this is important, he screams in agony. Yes. Uh, uh, they call him a dork and a butthead. Ooh, ooh, hard roasting. And then Kurt makes a joke about being able to see Arlie's, Arlie without her clothes through a door. Mm-hmm. And then Arlie... Comes out, slams Kurt against the wall, and says, 
uh, if you were able to see it, I would rip off your head and attach it to his butt. Yes. Mondo's like, don't touch my butt. <laughs> this is fun. This is this felt almost like salute your shorts. Yes, it was very. It's very teen show. Mm-hmm. Like that's why I said they set up Monet as a teen girl antagonist. Yeah, she's a Cordelia. Yes, that is a great parallel. Yeah, she's Cordelia from Buffy at this moment. Um, and then Emma, we finally see them actually like learning. Yes, Emma tests them on their psychic ability. And uh, Jubilee is naturally gifted at it. Yeah. And Emma says, like, oh, the younger students often are because their minds aren't cluttered yet. Well, and so is Angelo, because Angelo doesn't say it out loud, but he's writing down the answers. Yes. Kurt makes a comment. Emma makes fun of him. The secret to all psychic power is being able to relax and concentrate. Wait, excuse me, Mrs. Frost. How are we supposed to relax and concentrate at the same time? Make believe you're playing with yourself, Kurt. And this is how I found out there were two edits of the film. Oh. In the version that aired on U.S. broadcast, Emma tells Kurt to pretend he's in the bathroom. In the version we watched, which is taken from the U.K. video release, she tells him to pretend he's playing with himself. Okay. This is is making a lot of stuff make sense. (laughs) Yes, there's actually a couple things that were edited out of the version that aired on Fox. Okay. Um, the TV... Now that they're playing pool, we go to another, like, them hanging out scene. Yes, and... <laughs> now, here's what's important, is... Up until this point, Jubilee and Angelo are the new kids. And they're just kind of being bothered by the, the four established students. Yes. This is the first time that they're all having fun together. Yeah. Because, like, the news plays something about the Mutant Registration Act and... And uh, Kurt breaks the TV. Breaks the television and they all laugh. It's like, oh, oh, so they all, they're all friends. Okay, cool. But then that doesn't make sense with what happens next. My thought was that uh, it's the one thing they can bond over is that they are all mutants. So they all agreed with Kurt in that moment. Okay. The enemy of my enemy. Gotcha. So then Jubilee's mother calls and Jubilee asks Banshee to tell her mother she's busy. Yeah. And Banshee does it and leaves with his arms crossed. Yeah. And then the next thing we see is we're in a danger room scenario that Angelo is trying to save everyone in the castle and he fails horribly. They list the dead. I remember seeing Banshee. Listed among the dead. Yes. Um, and it's a danger room. Yeah. We immediately come out of it, and we set up that Banshee is a kinder teacher. It's just another lesson scene. Mm-hmm. We see what Banshee does. Yeah, he explains, <laughs> like, you did really, really well until the stress hit a certain level, and then panic hit you, and then you made bad decisions. So then Angelo and Jubilee meet up in the library, and Jubilee is reading the book Emma recommended. Right. This is where I start to get lost because they start talking about the machine that lets you travel in or traveling into dreams. Yes. They started like, man, I'd love to travel into dreams. Where would you go? And study mutant metaphysics, right? By Emma Frost. 
What's it like? It's totally mega weird. It's got some bizarre stuff about those threads of consciousness. Can I check it out? Yeah. Why do you want to learn how to dream travel? Because I hate this place. Wish I could send my brain on a vacation. Why are you so interested? I, um... I just want to go into my parents' dreams and see why they sent me to this place. Is here bad? Do they not want to be there? Because he chose to go there. (laughs) Well, Angelo's establishing character things that he's girl crazy. Right. And it it would be fine if it was like, I want to meet women. So I want to get out. But what he actually, he does use the phrase, get far away from here. Implying that, like, they are trapped here. He also says, I want to go get a chica and go to Cabo. Right. So a lot of it is girl-centered. A lot of it is. Yeah, I hear you. What I'm saying is, this movie is doing a poor job explaining how these kids feel about where they are. Yes, Are they it is. happy they're there? Do they like each other? Do they hate each other? Do they want to leave? Because Jubilee is all about running away, and then she's here, and now she's okay with it, sort of. So we have a cutaway now to uh, knock off John Malkovich yes. and his keeper, where his keeper Russell. is begging him not to be crazy. During oh. the presentation, because their funding hinges on this presentation. And he's got to be crazy. <laughs> well, he kind of acts like maybe he won't be crazy. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to lose funding. Um, But it find, we find out that everything he wants is that Emma Frost needs to grovel at his feet. Emma Frost is the woman who got him fired, mm-hmm. and he hates her. Remember, Russell, uh, no voodoo theatrics at this presentation. Don't belittle what I do. I can't help being creative any more than you can help being a greedy capitalist. I'm not belittling you, Russell. I just want this to go smoothly. Bobby, you're pissing me off. I'm giving you genius, and you're giving me jock itch. I'm sorry. Just a little nervous. Hey, Galileo was nervous when he got his first telescope. Why are you doing this, Russell? Who can say why, Bob? I'm a complex individual. Therapist once told me I could never be truly happy. I think that was a terse and irresponsible judgment, don't you? <laughs> hey. I'm a classic. Low self-esteem, dysfunctional, overcompensating with grandiose delusions. In other words, I won't be happy until the psycho slut who humiliated me grovels at my feet and anoints me as her god! That makes sense, doesn't it? It's as dumb as it sounds. Mm -hmm. And the next thing we see is all the teenagers have banded together to beg Banshee to let them drive into town, despite them not showing an appreciable amount of intelligence or responsibility. No. And then Banshee's like, okay. How much time has passed? How long have they been there? We don't know. Oh, man, we gotta... Uh, we have, like, the shopping montage. We establish that Arlie is insecure about her body. Jubilee yes. walks in on her in the changing room. And we see Arlie's back. Again, in a thing that's surprisingly relevant, Arlie would look great in 2019. Oh, yeah, she's buff. She yeah. looks great. Yeah, like, her, quote, terrible body is just 
looks like maybe she's done a lot of CrossFit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mondo is dressed like Murray and Clueless. Very true. And then we have this uh, girl who looks flirtatiously at Angelo, and then the townies are abusive toward Angelo. Yeah, they, they do normal bullying 90s things. They push his face into an ice cream. Yeah, it's very... It's very family-friendly bullying mm-hmm. with, like, a little bit of racism. Yeah, a touch. Just sprinkled in. Um, and so... <coughs> Angelo... The crux is Angelo storms off. And then we kind of get that Angelo's upset by what's happening. He can't meet people. He doesn't like being around. So he hacks into his own file. Right. And his code is 90210. Mm-hmm. And it makes me sad. And then uh, we cut to the presentation for Knockoff Riddler. Yes. Knockoff Riddler is trying to show why it's important that he can go into people's minds and make suggestions. And how is he going to do that? Well, gentlemen, I anticipated your skepticism and have prepared a small practical demonstration. I took the liberty of visiting each of you in your dreams last night. Mr. Donbury, you should buy the cocktail dress. You've got the figure. Would you please get to the point, Mr. Trash? While you slept, I made a small suggestion to each of you that I believe will demonstrate with a soupçon of humor the efficacy of this tool. At exactly 10 o'clock, each member of this board will have an involuntary gastric eruption. Is this supposed to be funny, Mr. Trash? <laughs> yes. And effective. Gentlemen, I give you a quantum leap in mind control. Consider the possibilities. It is really stupid and cartoonish. Mm -hmm. And this is when I think that might be the point. This is like this sequence was when I think that the villain is supposed to be a cartoon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's always in like brightly colored suits. Yeah. Like he is a cartoon. He looks much more comic booky. Than anything in the X-Men group. Yes. But and I start to now think that's a directorial choice. That's not Yeah. Good. I mean, you know what he also could have done? He could have gone into all of their minds and subtly put into their brain to fund him. Yes. He could have. That would have been a way easier way to do it. It's like a crappy version of the scene with the movie board from Dogma. From Dogma? Yeah. Like, where Loki and Bartleby go to the board and reveal all their secrets, that's what I thought they were going to do. Now, that being said, I find that this guy is the most entertaining character. Because he's over the top and he's silly and goofy and stuff like that. So, whenever he's on screen, I'm like, alright, he's back, at least we'll get some wackiness. I feel like that is not the relationship I should be creating with the villain of the film. Yeah. Um, 
Then we go and Angelo tells Jubilee to meet him at Lights Out. They're going to try out this dream machine. And this is the little scene where we have the rock climbing wall. Yeah, the the danger room that is a rock climbing wall. And then we have a little scene where where Tresh's keeper is visited in his dream by Tresh. So now we are seeing Tresh dreamwalking. Yes, and he gets his keeper basically to jump out of a window because he was going to betray him. Yes. Um, so then they go into the machine. They're going to spot each other. Jubilee goes into her father's dream and tries to console him. And then Tresh shows up in the dream. Yes. Because he's looking for her because he still wants a mutant brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Jubilee panics, screams, bursts into tears, and, and jumps out. Yeah. Because you can take yourself out at any time, but it's important and established that you cannot be taken out by someone else. Yeah, you die like in the Matrix. Like, if you take yourself out suddenly, it's fine. Yeah. So Angelo wants to find a girl, reminds Jubilee not to disconnect him, and then he's outside the blonde girl's window from before, mm-hmm. and Tresh somewhat charmingly introduces him to the girl who we find out her name is Kayla. Mm -hmm. And then the cops disconnect Tresh and arrest him. Yes. Now, I think it's implied that when he is disconnected, he starts to, like, fall back into his body. Yeah. And I believe uh, Angelo grabs him and pulls him back. You don't fall into your body. Oh, he was falling into the abyss? Yes. Okay. So, um, Angelo saves his life, mm-hmm. essentially. But he's now stranded in the dream dimension. Yes. And can't get back to his body. Then we have a weird scene where Jubilee swears, like, five times. Out of nowhere! Which is cut from the American version. I, it would We're have watching to be. the UK rip. But it's sudden. They go from dork and butthead to her dropping F-bomb. It was like my my brain was floating in outer space, but with, like, nothing to hold on to it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was awesome. Are you fucking nuts? That was the scariest thing I have ever felt in my entire life. I cosmically shit my fucking pants. Because me and Laura immediately looked at each other and went, what the hell just happened? Yeah, because it's very abrupt. And then we try to set up the teen romance. Kurt offers Arlie flowers, asks for help identifying them. And then they do the standard high school. He tries to ask her out. She assumes it's a prank because she's very insecure. He very easily convinces her it's not. And Mm -hmm. she agrees to go out with him. Because they're going to go to a carnival. Yeah, it's the something day. (laughs) And then we see the carnival. We see Arlie and Kurt laughing together on the Ferris wheel. And then we see the only character moment for Monet. Yes. A bunch of townies are harassing her because they're doing some kind of punching bag. Mm -hmm. And she tells them to see how it's done. And she destroys the punching bag in one punch. Yes. And then throughout this, like, you see her winning the test of strength where you ring the bell. Mm -hmm. Until at the end, she has an army of men that she has won stuffed animals for. Which is wonderful. It's a great character moment. Monet is very underutilized. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because it's very difficult to utilize a character that is kind of a Mary Sue. Yeah. That we're not invested in. Uh, No, she was... Monet is is an X-Men. 
Yes. So she's not really a Mary Sue. She's canonically an X-Men. Yes, it's just her powers are very Mary Sue-esque. Yeah, just best at everything. I, yeah, she's the best at everything. She's very pretty. She has a perfect body. Gotcha. It's it's hard to write those characters well. Gotcha. Uh, so Kayla sees Angelo, apologizes for the other townies. Um, she, everyone looks 30. Yeah. This it's, is when I start Googling how old people are. They're all like late teens, early 20s. They just all look 30. It Did should, everyone look 30 in the 90s? Yes, everybody looked 30 in the 90s. Uh, it should be noted that the only reason she is interested in Angelo, according to what we've seen, is because Trash has brainwashed her. We did see, Gross. yeah, and we also, but we did see her smile at him a little bit in the previous townie sequence. Yeah. So, like, you could argue she was already interested, but. You could argue it, but it would, it, it would make you sound gross while you made that argument. No, I mean, you could argue that she was interested in him before that. Yeah, but she I still got brainwashed. She did sound, she did get brainwashed, but you could argue that he didn't, like. That he didn't brainwash her, that it was, mm-hmm. like, a, an attraction that was already there, is what I'm saying. Um, they are actually quite careful to show that there was an in- initial attraction. Otherwise, it is super gross. And then yeah. we would lose a lot of sympathy for Angelo. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Kurt and Arlie are making out. He gets distracted by something, but tells Arlie nothing is wrong after she begs him to remove his sunglasses. Yes, she, he return. He takes his sunglasses off, and then he like looks weirdly into the camera, and then the makeout session is over. Um, and they rush back, and then Kurt freaks out that he can see through Arlie's clothes, but says this to Mondo, no further away than I am from Noah right now, from Arlie and Jubilee. Yeah, like- and then is shocked. Does, like, a shocked Pikachu face yeah. that Arlie heard him. Well, he walks up with Arlie. Yes. Arlie walks out of shot. And immediately he's like, Mondo, guess what? Yeah. It's <laughs> like, um, so, wait a, a few footsteps, man. Uh, the townies mock Angelo. Angelo absorbs a rock and they get into a big fist fight. Does, he doesn't look different. Don't Correct. think he looks different. Um... Monet is irritated. She wasn't really part of it. Mm-hmm. Emma breaks everyone but Arlie and Monet. So the boys and Jubilee are in jail. Yes. And they have told the cops their names are Eddie Vetter, Eddie Van Halen, mm-hmm. Eddie Munster, and Edie Brickell. <laughs> in kind of a good joke. Yes. And Emma is furious with them and tries to expel them. Uh, yeah, she announces that she's going to expel everyone, the in- all six students, and Banshee has to explain to her, you don't have a school with no students. Well, they do a good, like, she's going to expel Mondo, because Mondo admits to absorb- absorbing the rock. Mm-hmm. Then Angelo steps in, and then Kurt and Jubilee step in, and then Monet and Arlie, who really weren't in the fight, also step in. Right. So Banshee believes they should be commended for standing together. Mm-hmm. Emma Frost tries to expel everybody. Yes. And, and then uh, Emma and Banshee step outside and we get the character development. Yeah, we have character development about how she lost students before and if she had been harder on them, then maybe they would have survived. But what I want to point out is Banshee says 
If we, we can't have a school if we expel all the students. Thus confirming that this is not one class of many. These are all the students in the school. Yes. These six people. Originally it was four. Thank God Jubilee showed up. So then Kurt is begging Arlie to speak to him and she refuses to speak to him. And then we see a dream sequence. Angelo is back in Kayla's dream. Yes. And they have a 90s Three Caballeros boat ride from Disney World. Yes, they do. Island acid sequence dance. Mm-hmm. Shot carefully to mask the fact that neither of them can dance. Yeah. Not carefully enough, though. Um, they kiss in the dream. She smiles. And Angelo... Well, if uh, you kiss in a dream, you kiss in real life. And then Angelo contentedly leaves the dream machine and rolls back. And then he goes to sleep. Mm-hmm. And Tresh comes into his dream and tells Tresh how to, uh, and tells Angelo how to reunite Tresh's brain with his body. Yes, because he did him a favor. Now he owes Tresh. And he's like, I'm not going to do that for you. You're creepy. And he's like, oh yeah, really? Well, then I'm going to give you nightmares forever. I'm going to give her nightmares. And he then pulls out his Angela's little, little sister. sister and says... How would I mind rape this sweet little sister of yours? And then licks her face. Which is also not in the American cut of the film. Oh my god. (laughs) I'm guessing they could not get that past the censors on a broadcast. Because it's the point where Tresh... I, I mean, Tresh has always been a villain and always been evil. But it's the point where, like, he crosses that line where he's no longer fun evil and he's just gross. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, there's a sequence in the mental hospital, which was the third location they shot at. Ah. Angelo is successful in getting Tresh's mind and body back together. Yes, if I may, the way he gets in is he stretches his arm up to a ledge Mm -hmm. and it pulls him up to it. And Angelo does not scream in agony because I guess his power doesn't hurt him anymore. Like we established the entire film. I mean, you could argue that he's been training and that he is learning how to use it. And that those scenes just weren't that important, I guess. Um, Yeah. Or you could have just never established that it hurt him. That's true. And then he could just have a power. (laughs) So then, uh, Tresh... Kidnaps Angelo, straps him down, and then... You may, or may not, want to know that I only need a single mutant cell from the pineal region of your brain. Of course, I I will have to chop through the rest of your brain to get to it. Oh, well. Must get my rest. Surgery at the crack of dawn. Sleep tight, little chipmunk. Store your nuts in your cheeks. Yeah, despite having his body had been asleep for quite some time, we'd have to at least two days. Uh, he's like, I'm sleepy, and then I, I, this is the end of my evil plan, but I need my beauty rest. So then Angelo telepathically uh, accesses what Emma Frost has taught him and pleads with Jubilee to help. Yes. So Jubilee wakes up Emma and Sean and the other kids and... Emma kind of tells the students, like, I'm going to open the dream world, but if you see the door, run through it, because we've either won or lost. 
Yeah, she says, the plan is, I'm going to take the entire building that Tresh is in and put it in the dream world so he won't know we're coming. Right. And that seems entirely unnecessary. Yeah, it's a dumb, convoluted comic book movie plan. Yeah, especially since Tresh is asleep and Emma Frost has the machine that lets you go into dreams. He, she could just jump in there and be like, yo, Tresh, you don't want to do this. And he'll wake up like, I don't want to do this. Let me go unscrew the uh, mutant I have tied to a table. Yeah. So, um, they get, Kurt makes an anguished declaration of love to Arlie. She accepts it. And, uh, then we get this dumb scene where... Tresh is about to drill into Angelo's head, then confesses he hates Angelo's hair, grabs a Sweeney Todd razor, and asks if Angelo was circumcised. Why any of this? <laughs> it literally seems like Why it's there. This? Why? Yeah. It's dumb. And then Jubilee appears and she starts throwing fireworks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm guessing her power was fairly expensive because we, this is we the don't second see time this we've a seen lot. It. Yeah. Um, Mondo shoves him into electricity? Yes. But, and then at one point, like, he bounces into a furnace that opens. Yeah. Which is cool, because earlier he does say, I basically have the power of Freddy Krueger. So for him to end up next to an open furnace, I'm like, they're gonna burn him alive, a la Freddy Krueger. No, 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 a good movie would have done that. No, they didn't, they didn't do that. Um, then Arlie throws him. Tresh advances on Arlie, and Kurt gets between them. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he makes a very weirdly sexual comment toward Monet, where he asks if he should get his Barry White records. Mm-hmm. And then Monet, understandably, kicks him in the stomach. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, you pick the music. Again, Monet is established as being older than Jubilee, mm-hmm. but that could also be 16. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd like to mention at this point that Emma Frost is going to really busy... Uh, doing this mental thing with the building. Yes. So she can't help. Right. That still means that it is six mutants versus a guy. It's seven mutants. Well, Angelo's tied to the table. Right. (laughs) Once he's out, then it's seven. But, like, he's a man. (laughs) You all have a power. This should not be a fight. (laughs) So then, you know, Banshee... Steps into the fight. Someone unties Angelo. Uh, and then Tresh Rita repulses. He, like, grows. They throw him out of a window. Yep. And then he grows and he says something like, I have the distinct feeling I've already mutated and you're just not sharing. Yeah. Like, kind of implying that he spent so much time in the dream world that, like, now he has power. Or that he realized that in the dream world he can do whatever he wants because it's pow- it's not real. Maybe. Um. <laughs> well, it's not really explained, but he then screams. Guys, I'm feeling seriously omnipotent. Yes, and then Emma opens the door. She and Russell have a confrontation. And the kids, despite what they've been told, do not run through the door. No. They stand there and watch. Well, because they're worried about Emma, I think. 
And then Angelo sacrifices himself by stretching his arms around Russell, and they fall into the abyss together. Yes. Uh, Jubilee runs after him. Uh, Jubilee tries to run after him, but he re- is restrained by the other kids. Yeah, and I'm going to be honest, this makes sense as an ending. Because Angelo caused all this problems mm-hmm. by doing what he shouldn't do. So this noble sacrifice to fix his mistakes is really a nice way to... Oh, he's fine. Yeah, he... Disney deaths, it's not even a whole minute. Yeah, he he stretches his arm out and pulls himself up and doesn't scream in agony. Yeah, um, because him dying in the pilot really would have set up that, like, that kind of Lostian, anyone can die feeling. Yeah, like, like, oh, there are stakes. Yeah, of killing, like, a major character in the first episode, mm-hmm. or in the pilot movie. Um, And then we see them playing some sort of dumb card game that was clearly meant to be monetized if yeah, yeah, the like show took off. Yeah, yeah, tarot card game. And then something happens and Angelo is jumpy, and it's Arlie in her uniform... It's, like, curve-hugging, and she looks awesome. Yeah. And then the last shot is Russell back in the mental institution. Yeah, because he's out of his body, and he's just sitting there blinking. And then when you zoom in on his eye, you can see the dream world. Yep. And then credits. Yep. That was that was Generation X. Generation X. X. Uh so I've got a lot of fun casting. Please tell me more about this movie. <laughs> um, we have seen Russell before. Uh, is, is he Pee Wee Herman? No. Is he Paul Rubens? No, he was the voice of Panic in Hercules. Um, oh. He was Moloch the Mystic in Watchmen. He's much calmer as Moloch the Mystic. Wow, that blows my mind. And he's Max Headroom. Oh, that explains everything. Which is fascinating because a, a 1996 review I read in Variety in doing my research, uh, they talk about Matt Frewer, the actor, and they talk about him feeling like Max Headroom meets the Riddler with no reference to the fact that he was Max Headroom. Like, <laughs> like they didn't realize? Like there's a few things in this Variety where I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about, do you? <laughs> he kind of reminds me of Max Headroom. Anyone else? Anyone else? Um, Mondo, Emma Frost, and uh, Jubilee all have had pretty decent acting careers. They're not like... They've yeah. all done, you know, one or two episodes on a bunch of TV shows. So they've all worked pretty steadily. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jubilee is the homeless girl from Saved by the Bell from the Christmas episodes with Zach Morris. Oh, really? His homeless love interest. Okay. Um, so the director, Jack Shoulder, swears that the script didn't mention that Jubilee was supposed to be Asian. Okay. And swears that they auditioned an Asian actress for Emma Frost. Emma Frost isn't Asian. No, but he's swearing they like went, that oh. they considered. Okay. Uh, They considered casting outside of like her traditional race. Okay. And it's kind of sounds like he says that. To not look racist? Yeah, his response is ignorance. Like, I didn't know. Because then the next thing he does is singles out the actor who plays Angelo for being a bad actor. Okay. He wasn't great. No. Um, And the director was never told it was a pilot. 
The director did not think he was making a pilot. Okay, interesting. That explains why he was like, hey, swear a bunch. Yeah, I mean, they're in the UK video release. He knew he was making a TV movie. Oh, okay. Uh, But it was released on video in the UK. And in the UK, they also don't care about swear words. Yeah. Um, One of the things I read, and I, I haven't found like a really good source on this, is that Jubilee was actually supposed to be Dazzler. That makes a lot of sense to me. But then the 90s cartoon Jubilee was considerably more popular in the cartoon and the comics of the time. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to capitalize on her being popular. Yeah. Plus you couldn't have that X-Men arcade game in the shot if she was Dazzler. And then, um, as we talked about earlier, Buff and Refrax, who are Kurt and Arlie, were uh, brought in to replace Chamber and Penance. Yeah. Who were Generation X members. Who just had very expensive, difficult... Do you know what they are? Uh, Chamber apparently, like, would lose part of his body constantly. Oh, and like, he, had, he had to answer questions in a, a very cold or hot area? Yeah, uh, yes, definitely. That's that's <laughs> definitely what his power was. Um, and then Penance would turn into, like, a diamond. Oh, okay. So, oh, that no. Is- Excuse me, Buff was meant to replace Husk, who sheds her skin, revealing an epidermis of a different composition underneath. Okay, that sounds very expensive. And Chamber uh, would have his chest and the lower half of his face destroyed every time his power emerged. Oh, that sounds awful. And it sounds ugly and Mm -hmm. expensive. So they were testing the waters for... Either different movies or a different, or the TV show. So it didn't really, didn't really work out clearly. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's all there. It. Uh, I don't think you mentioned this. Uh, you mentioned two of the locations. Yes. Where was the third location? I mentioned all three. The abandoned warehouse, the mental institution, and the castle. Where they shot all of the previous X-Men movies. I don't think you mentioned that part yet. Oh, yeah. They they used the castle that they used for Xavier's Institute in all of the subsequent films. Yeah, it is the it is Xavier's school. Like, that's where they actually are. You, you're like, oh, this is from the movie. But it's before the movie. So, yeah. It, it didn't do that well. Obviously, because no, it didn't... Uh, it wasn't well-received? It didn't spur the TV show or any subsequent TV movies, even though Stan Lee really wanted it to. Okay. And then I just want to get the auditory reaction to Noah seeing the VHS cover, which we will include. Oh, okay. This is the VHS cover. Uh, what is that? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, ugh. That is, heroes are no longer born... They are created. That is the opposite of X-Men. Welcome to the future. No, wait, let's talk about this tagline real quick. The whole point of X-Men is that they are born mutants. And it naturally occurs in them. They are not created. That is the point of X-Men. Oh my God. They also... um. The back of the VHS box, which I'm Noah will have this picture and he will put it up as part of the YouTube video. Um, 
It's also on the IMDb entry for Generation X if you're listening to this on the podcast and want to look at this later. Yeah. And it's, uh, the back of it has a bunch of spoilers like Angelo being in the dream machine and one of the final shots, which is Arlie in costume. Cool. <laughs> What'd you think about this, Noah? Uh, I, I, Really, one thing I want to do more with this show that we don't tend to do is try to project what would happen next. Okay. So I guess you would just continue the love story between Buff and Kurt. Yeah. Uh, And then I guess a bit of a romance between Angelo and Jubilee. And I'm guessing like Angelo never sees it. And but Jubilee is like pining. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they do ship tease them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Initially, she falls asleep on his shoulder. Yeah. And they do seem to have a friendship and a connection. Maybe a love triangle with Kayla, the townie. Yeah. Uh, I would imagine a few other students would eventually show up. Yeah. That's an easy thing to just keep things fresh. Uh, I don't know where you go with villains. Because you don't do Magneto with Generation X. You don't do Sentinels with Generation X. You don't do Sabretooth. Like, in terms of villain, what's his name? Mojo, maybe? (laughs) I mean, you do have to remember that there's an entire series of comic books they could mine. Right. So I'm sure, I haven't read the Generation X line because it was in that Mm mid-90s comic book glut. Where it's impossible to have read everything from that time. But I'm assuming... That you would have had some of the storylines just be lifted from there. Some of the villains would be lifted from there. I know uh, Monet has an evil brother. Okay, that we could bring them in. That sounds good. And Rembrandt? Yeah, Monet has several siblings. Is it Rembrandt? No. Oh. Um, so you have like all of Monet's family. Monet comes from money. So her family's story oh, is Monet. very... Monet. Uh, <laughs> uh, who who was the villain from X-Men that trapped the X-Men in a pinball machine? Was that Mojo? I don't remember. I feel like the name is Mojo. That would fit perfectly in this show. Yes. I mean, I feel like this was early Teen Titans. Okay, yeah. Like, I feel like they could have gone for a similar uh, tone and theme. Mm-hmm. To the original cartoon Teen Titans. Not Teen Titans Go. Right. But like the, the good Teen one. Titans. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely think there there are clearly places to go. It felt very much like an ending. But I mean, I guess we're, we're going to see them in costumes now. Because I guess they're graduated. I don't know. Uh, but there's definitely places where you could still go with this show. Uh, so we got to give this a verdict. I kind of think this is a stay tuned. I think this could have been really, really fun. I, I actually have a lot of feelings that the show was ahead of its time. I'm really surprised to hear this. Uh, I mean, part of it's looking at it through the 2019 lens, but like the whole sequence where Jubilee's mother argues with the cop mm-hmm. about how like Jubilee is subhuman and doesn't have due process. Mm-hmm. I mean... That's more relevant now than it was in 1996. Very true. And I mean, we're seeing Generation X has spawned in its own way Legion and Gifted. Mm-hmm. So we 
do currently have X-Men TV shows running. Right. So I I totally think this could have run. I think this is campy and dumb and silly. And I think the biggest flaw with it was that it was an hour and a half. If this was a half hour, oh man, is this a stay tuned for me. I would watch this for a half hour every single week. Because it'd be dumb and silly and I'd have a great time every time. This is X-Men as popcorn television. Yeah, I think in a normal one hour time slot where it's 45 minutes of content, mm-hmm. I think this is a great show. I, I I think this show belonged. I know there's a lot of profanity in it, but that would have been cut. This reminds me of uh, Animorphs in the yes. way it looks and the way it feels. Yes. This would run great on SNCC. Yes. So I think this is a stay, t- a stay tuned if it had found its audience and its audience were younger. Like if I was like nine and I'm like, oh, these 15 year olds are so much older and cooler than me. I can't wait till I have these adventures. This would be the greatest thing I'd ever seen. I mean, yeah, this feels like a show aimed. This feels very space cases. Yeah. Thematically. Um, And I want to point out that there are a couple points where we drew parallels to Buffy. This was a full year before Welcome to the Hellmouth aired. Really? Well, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer began in March 97. Hmm. So, like, I, I genuinely think this show was just a little early. Yeah, it's a little early and, like... Kind of like um one I think we're going to end up watching down the line is Birds of Prey. Yeah, that's and definitely on the to-do I list. think that's another show that we're going to find was ahead of its time. I think, like, if it had embraced what it was... It was trying to do a lot with very little. Absolutely. If they were like, yo, we have very little, so let's go in that direction. If it made the Evil Dead turn, where it's like, we want to make a very serious horror movie. Oh no, this puppet looks like Kermit the Frog with a chainsaw. This is a comedy now. If it had that moment of reflection, this would have been absolutely brilliant. Yes. Instead, it's silly and fun, but very enjoyable. It's a bit too long. Man, would I love this in Bite Sides Bits. Yeah, I genuinely think this would have been a great... I think this would have been a really fun, very 90s TV show. Yeah. So it's a, it's a stay tuned. I didn't think you were going to say stay tuned, but... No, I actually really enjoyed this I was one. 100% in. Because th- there's one point where we were watching this where I actually yelled, like, <laughs> Oh, finally, conflict. Yes. And we were, like, 70 minutes in. But I realized I was still having a good time. Yeah. Like, nothing was at stake yet. But I was like, this is fine. This I mean, is fine to be happening. The whole runtime of the f- the movie is 87 minutes mm-hmm. when you're watching the uh, the YouTube rip. Yeah. And that's counting probably two or three minutes of credits we didn't watch. Yeah. So, I mean, it's less than an hour and a half. It's about two hour long episodes. And I imagine that were the show picked up. Mm-hmm. It would have been two hour long episodes in syndication. Yeah, I guess. Like, I don't know where you split it off. It would have been a to be continued probably right after uh, Angelo and Trash are in the dream world the first time. Yeah, I guess maybe there. 
it just felt like it took so long for something to happen that could have been like an end point. Because I, I was wondering if this was just a bunch of episodes strung together. And I was like, no, this isn't following episode format. No, so. this was definitely a pilot film. I think the break actually would have been when Tresh's, uh rendered vegetative the first time. Yeah, there we go. That would have been good. And it would have been a two-parter. They're not standalone episodes on their own. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but a lot of shows have a two-part opener. Um, so that's going to do it for uh, not just this episode, but for R.I.P. Pilots uh, Month. Yeah. Uh, usually this is where we look upon the graves of those that we wanted to dig up that fit the theme that we didn't. But, I mean, we went with the top four or top five of uh, the subreddit. Do you want to look at what number six and seven are and just give them some good wishes before we leave this plot? Uh, I want to talk about how, for the entire month, the top post currently is a show called Unbelievables with Steve Carell, Tim Curry, and Ryan Gosling, and how badly I wanted to watch that. You should have upvoted it. I did. I have but one account. And, uh, yeah, so thank you so much to... uh, RRI pilots over on Reddit. Check out the subreddit. It's pretty cool. It's got a bunch of pilots on it that didn't become shows. So it was ripe for the picking for a show like this one. Uh, yeah, so Clerks was on there. Uh, the Clerks live action show that they tried to do. Mummy's Alive. Mummy's which, Alive, which I believe became a show. It, yeah, it was a show. Uh, some of these actually did have runs. Oh, so it didn't even fit. Um, <laughs> Battle Toads is on there. But yeah, Mummy's Alive is fascinating. I loved Mummy's Alive. I'm going to push to watch it at some point down the line. Okay. Uh, I used to watch it when I first woke up in the morning. But uh, with this month coming to a close, we have to now talk about next month. I have one more thing I want to put out there. Yes. In continuing the comparison to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Buffy the Vampire Slayer aired two episodes the first night it ran. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, so let, we're moving on to next month. Next month we are breaking format. Yeah, we're, you know, breaking format less than six months into the podcast. But yes. you got to do what you got to do. But uh, we asked if you guys wanted a special episode uh, on ju- the Razzie movies or if you'd like a month of Razzie movies. So we're going to do the Razzie movies. Yes. Uh, the Razzie movies baffled us this year. Yeah, there was a couple that we thought were going to be in there. Um that were not yes. like I feel pretty, yeah, I and feel pretty. action point, and action point didn't make it. But what we will be watching, I'm not sure which one we're watching next. So sorry, I can't tell you which one is absolutely next. But it's Holmes and Watson. Yes, it is Winchester, which is available on Netflix and has nothing to do with Supernatural. Sorry, Supernatural family. Yeah, sorry. Uh, it is Gotti, the uh, John Travolta film yes. about uh, Gotti. So we have to watch Gotti. Yep. Uh, the Happy Time Murders. The Happy Time Murders, which I'm a little bit excited to watch. And, and Robin Hood with Taryn Edgerton. Yes. Which I didn't realize had come out. Yeah. It kind of like got very little publicity and snuck its way out. We actually, we were on a trip in the last two, like, we just got back from a trip. We mm-hmm. recorded Awesome Town and... uh Area 57 before we left. Mm-hmm. So the movie theater in Universal Studios was actually showing Robin Hood 
Oh, really? And we had an entire conversation about, oh, someone's still showing that movie. Yeah. Huh. So we might actually have to go to a movie theater. Yeah. Which is going to be really hard because then I can't take notes. Yeah. This is this is also the issue with this month is uh, it's going to be there's not going to be as many clips that get played uh, over these episodes because I probably won't have the footage. Yeah. So I will do my best Will Ferrell impressions. When we do that episode. Uh, yeah, so that's going to do it uh, for for this month. Be sure to check out the Razzie movies. That's what we're doing next. Absolutely. We only do the ones that are nominated for Worst Picture. Yes. I don't know about you, but I'm bummed that I will not know how the Fifty Shades series ends now. Yeah, I'm so Because shocked. the third one did not get nominated in any category. Yeah, it turns Maybe out it's it a over. good movie. Yeah, I'll never find out. We will never know! Because <laughs> I'm not going to watch it. We will never know! Uh. So, you can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or Facebook and Twitter at staydoomed. Yes, and if you want to talk to me about your mutant power, I'm at TV's Noah on Twitter. If you want to preemptively lecture me on Holmes and Watson mythology before we go see the film... I'm at Priorities. And where can people see us live? Oh, people can see us live at ZenkaiCon in Lancaster, PA, March 22nd through 24th, at which we will be debuting a Stay Doomed panel. That's right. Stay Doomed Live, kids. Yeah, Stay Doomed Live. Those words don't go together very well. Doomed Live. Stay Doomed Live! Yes. Uh, and we're going to be doing our comedy panel. We're going to be doing um, Beyond the Tentacle, Fit to be Hentied. Woohoo. And we'll be debuting a new panel called Walt Disney's America. Yeah, it's a lot of new stuff coming out from Plus Two Comedy, so be sure to check out ZenkaiCon. And then people who look a lot like us will be participating in Cosplay Pro Wrestling. Yes, they look almost identical to us, as if they are wearing a costume. Yes, they're very close. It's yes. uncanny. Like the uncanny X-Men. Boom! Until next time, stay doomed. Can I groan your jokes? No.